Hey, PG fans, got a dollar? Then head over to shop.premierguitar.com and check out our massive ebook collection. We have authoritative titles on everything from DIY projects to lessons in a variety of styles and advice from legendary artists and gear builders. Plus, we release new collections every two weeks. Check it out at shop.premierguitar.com. This is Chris Keys for Premier Guitar. We're hanging out at Marathon Music Works in Nashville, Tennessee. We have Toby of Dr. Dog. Toby, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Toby is a man of many words, many lyrics, but not much gear. So no. we're going to dive right into it. Tell me about this, I'm going to say it, Fender copy. Yes. So you can tell me about uh, how this came to be and if you had any input. This, and oh yeah, this, this is, baby's uh, all about. yeah, I built this guy years ago. Oh, um, Stumac, you know, oh, Stumac. Yeah, yeah, parts, yeah. parts tools. I had, a, my, I had an old cheapy sort of jazz bass and it got stolen and then I got this guy and just put them together. Um, Tony, that's his name, T-O-N-E-Y. Oh, yeah, cool name. Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's nothing on here is actual Fender. Um, and I, I, I actually don't know what the pickups are right now. The, Did you, is it something you, put them in and okay. I don't actually don't know what they are. And what were you looking for when you were putting this together? Were there any types of woods or neck profiles or anything that was kind of what you were going for? The thinnest neck possible. Why is that? Just because I'd like to, I don't like, you know, I just like to kind of grab. Get I don't have huge hands, uh -huh. you know, and it's just kind of nice to be able to, like I have another, another jazz and the neck is like, it's always certain, it's, this one sometimes is, you know, at the studio or something, so I have to play that one at home. It's like, oh man. And then I get this guy and I'm just like, so way better it feels like a kind of like a home base absolutely yeah and i've tried a bunch of I've, I've had this base for 20 years now and i've tried other scott's always trying to get me to do other stuff because this isn't doesn't isn't great for the studio you yeah. just have to roll off all, or at least the way we do we just roll off all the low end all the time um so i've tried other stuff but this guy just feels great why is that the case that you guys are always rolling off the low end in the studio uh that's just kind of our bass tone preference yeah uh it usually goes through a guitar amp. You know, you can always put low end back in. Back you know, in after. So it's it's just easier to record that way. Cool. Tighter. Yeah. Nice tight sound. Uh, and strings. Is there anything particular you half half flat wound? So they're wound and not wound. They're half. Yeah. What I didn't you, know they existed. I was super <laughs> psyched when I found out they existed. How did you come across that they were, you know, was there someone that turned you on to them or you were just in Our the store? Our old guitar tech was like, check these out. I said, yes, <laughs> this is it. This is my life. What do you dig about Done the deal. half 50-50 life? Uh, well, they're not noisy. Yeah. And they're not, and um, they're not like clicky, but they're also kind of, they, they do the thing that a round string does, kind of like pingier, I guess. Yeah. And are you changing them very often, or is it just, no, just until they break? Yeah, yeah, until they break. Do you know how long have you had these ones on? I do not. It's been a while since yeah. I broke strings. Well, it's probably going to happen tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and electronics-wise, besides obviously not knowing the pickups, is there anything special here? Mm -mm. The controls? Nothing they, used, they used to be active pickups, but this is just like a 
pole. Which is yeah. there now. Yeah. Stash spot. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, do you even have a backup? Pins. Uh, yeah, I have, um, which one am I having right now? The P, I have a P base I got from Fender, which is actually awesome. Is there, uh, is it just a backup or does it come out for certain songs or Michael Scott plays it. Okay, Michael so, plays it. Yeah, Michael's uh, playing bass in the band, or Michael uh, Lievermento's playing all kinds, doing everything in the band, a ton of stuff, and he's playing that one now. Cool. And we have, I, I have a uh, Mustang at home, and I love that guy too. White one? Uh, I have a white Mustang guitar and a blue, one of those like reissue, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Justin Jane Jane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that plays the back. Yeah, Justin. exactly. It's his. It's his thing. The sh do you like the short scale? I love it. Yeah. We we played uh, we. He actually, I think, this is what Gus claims. The guy who did our last record. He's a he's mainly a bass player. Mm -hmm. Plays with everybody. He played he played with Roger Waters, and I think now he's in the Who. It's just like a hilarious thing. He's our age, but uh, <laughs> he had an old. It was the first time I'd ever played a Mustang, uh -huh. and it was just like the most badass thing. He was like, yeah. Justin played that and he went, and now that's all he plays and now he's got a custom. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm about to go get it free. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's badass. Yeah. And uh, I know that occasionally you play a Guild flat top for songs. Yes. Cool. Yeah, just acoustic and uh, yeah. Right on. Mm -hmm. And uh, bass wise, you've, you've spoke off camera that you've always kind of been an orange guy, but yes. how did you get turned onto this and, and what do you this one, the, the model, what I was playing before this, I think it was a, a thousand maybe? I, I don't, but whatever it was, they ended up discontinuing it because it was kind of, I had like two, I was constantly sending one back and forth to the yeah. show. Oh, and then I had a Tiny Terror for a while too. Which are little monsters. Those guys are amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're growlers. Blowing. Yeah, yeah. And they're, which I guess we probably still have. Um, but then I wanted to see what this guy was about, and then when I got him, found out that he had distortion and it's the best distortion bass distortion I've ever had it's great because it's all it's I guess it's just like turning up the gain and attenuating I'm not really sh exactly sure what it's doing but it's not doing it's just running distortion to itself and not you know you don't have to worry about fussing with the pedal it's just kind of like okay well here's your blend because there's a picture of a blender yeah yeah you don't know what blenders do there you and go. then this guy I think that's just like high-end gain. I'm not really exactly sure. I mean, it's not, I'm that's sure the, I could look it up, but... That's the fun about orange. You just kind of turn the knobs until you yeah. hear something. And I've had, you know, I don't know if you ever deal with bass distortion pedals and or like boutique pedals, yeah. but they always have stupid names and you're like, I don't even know what the splish button or like <laughs> how much how much gouache do I want to like get, yeah. get in here and like monster sound. It's like, not, just have the name of what yeah. it does. Like, just let me know that this is the signal and this is the vault. They're know. trying to be creative, I guess. Yeah, but they're confusing idiots yeah. like me. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta ask, did the knobs fall off or were you like, I wanna make this No, I this just wanna make it look cooler. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember, actually, the, I think these are actually probably the knobs now that, that I'm that, thinking about. That is, that is totally knobs. Yeah. Um, so maybe this, yeah, Scott and I have always changed knobs. Do you mind cooler. giving us a taste of between the... A, I think this is actually from an old PV board. One of those old nine channel, you know, feels like it also could be like one of those vault meter where you crank it, could it up. Be either one. <laughs> Do you mind if you Dual give us purpose. a taste between uh, the lean and the mean? The lean and the mean, yeah. Uh, uh, time go, we can do that.
So it's pretty, it's pretty buzzy, it's, but it's basic. It just gets the job done. It's not like, it's not doing anything too intense. And the back of my kneecap still confirms that the low end is still there, even exactly. though the growl and the bite still barking. Exactly. Well, Toby, it's a crucial element. Uh, your setup is quite concise, but the sound is huge. So good. I appreciate you talking. I used to, to have man. another Ooh. ten. Sometimes we have others that fifteen. I don't even know if it's, these are four tens. I guess. Okay. Sometimes we would rock a fifteen and have bass on. I don't even. I've done had a lot of dumb ones, but I like how small this is. Do you like the tens over over the? I do. The, the just easier to control. Yeah. And I have to heat. You know, it's hard to heat. You know, sometimes the low end just gets lost, or your ears get tired, or it's yeah. just like swimming around. And you're just, I don't, you can't even tell what note you're on. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, killer man. We're gonna <laughs> talk to Scott. Yeah, yeah. Scott's gonna be. He's gonna have a lot to say. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, we're uh, on stage right, or if you're out there left, there in crowd, uh, we're with Scott. Scott, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Real well. Thank you so much. I've watched you guys for a long time and always been. Curious to see the evolution of your gear, and a lot of times it's like, what is that? Why is that a thing? So finally, <laughs> you're on the rig rundown. I can't wait to talk gear. Awesome. And I'm gonna have to be awkward about this. I don't see the silver tone. The silver tone's at home right now. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 that's still my number one. I love that thing so much. And um, but uh, I mean, I've been playing this partially because about a couple years ago. I started to wonder, I, I've always been playing the semi-hollow body mm -hmm. guitars and stuff. It's just been kind of a list of those leading up to the silver tone. Yeah. And um, I started to wonder if like maybe the sound that, generally I'm just kind of a like creature habit with the guitar. It's mm -hmm. like I've never been super picky or very detailed about what I'm looking for. Yeah. It's just that when I was like 18, I got a semi-hollow body guitar and it, I like big guitars, yeah. I like the look of it and the feel of it, and the look and the feel have pretty much dominated all of my ideas about gear my whole life, really? really. Yeah, so I was really fixated on that, but once I started to actually consider a little bit in a bit more nuanced way, like the sound of things, I realized that maybe a solid body guitar might suit the sound of the band better live, mm -hmm. especially with how much sound is generally going on and stuff. And. Um, um, at which point I remembered, like I had this already, a friend of mine um, in Portland, Oregon named Dan Bjork makes uh, guitars under the name Lil Trees. That's and we met thing. him years ago. And um, he gave me this probably eight or 10 years ago. And I'd always had it around the house and used it for recording and stuff. But once this notion started to occur to me that I should try out some solid body guitars live, yeah. I, you know, I took a more kind of refined look towards this guy and realized like right away at that point, I just, totally fell in love with it which was cool because like like really truly like I, I really I really fell in love with it yeah. to the extent that I know a lot of guitar players and musicians experience when you find a piece of gear that does speak to you it sort of changes your ideas of yourself and the music you're playing and the way you play and it yeah. just kind of unfolds from there you know and that happened to me with this but the interesting part is that I had already had it for nearly 10 years yeah. I think it's kind of like the the, the love the rekindling of a new instrument, much in the way you spoke about the silver tone when you got that. Yeah. How that changed how you almost played and what you played. That's all I'm always looking for with gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. That direct kind of connection to it. And um, that occurred here. And so I've been playing it live and I love it. And it's it's really, it really feels and sounds great. And it's very simple. And um, it's got kind of a unique feature where it's like volume, treble, and bass. Okay. 
um, which I never had a guitar with like an actual separate treble yeah. and bass knobs, but it does enable a lot of really interesting stuff. And it kind of showed me how like when you're in like a super fuzz mode, kind of like lead, and you start rolling down low end just a little bit, and it cleans up a lot. So it's kind of operates like I can just leave the fuzz on, roll the bass down, and um, bring it in when I want it to like rip out a little more. Yeah. Which suits me because despite what I've been doing on this tour for a while now, I've been trying to figure out how to have the fewest amount of pedals. And um, is that more of a challenge, or what provoked that? Well, I, I feel like on the one hand, it's like it makes sense. Like honestly, yeah. like I don't want to get involved in a lot of pedal type thinking, yeah. and there's so much sound in this band already. Yeah that it just feels like kind of over-spicing your dinner or something, yeah. you know, it's like... Plus, like, just again, coming back to, like, your concept of what you're doing, I am much more, I'm much more inspired by the idea of a smaller palette of sound and a wider palette of expression and usage of how you play it, yeah. whether it be minute, not, yeah. you know, it's like there's a lot of pedals built into your hands and guitars, as many people know, and so I've yeah. been sort of chasing that um, type of relationship with live shows um, for a while, although with this tour, I was kind of on a whole other tip with all those Strymons and stuff. And uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. But do you use those knobs a lot throughout the set? To, yeah, to the especially bass the bass, okay. the bass knob. Because, like I said, and it was kind of it was like informative of it just kind of changed the paradigm around the way I think of a fuzz pedal because it was just interesting to see that by removing, not volume, but just low end from the signal, how much the pedals cleaned up. Yeah. And then I just had to take another look at all my fuzz pedals and see what they were like now as more like low gain type yeah. stuff w once I brought bass down. But like I said, this guitar enabled that because because it, I can roll the bass down without losing treble. Gotcha. Yeah. And another thing that probably jumps out to our viewers besides the knobs is the actual pickup itself. Is Yeah. Do you mind telling us what's there? I wish I knew more about that aspect okay. of it. I often uh, wonder that myself, but I'm about to see Dan in Portland in a, in a week or so, and I, it'll be the first time I've seen him since I really started embracing this guitar, and so I do have a lot of questions, and I'm eager for him <laughs> to have a look and make sure yeah. it's sitting pretty and everything. What, what have you noticed, again, this might not be an answer that you can come up with on the fly, is the, the tilted nature of the pickup that you feel yeah. that maybe other guitars that you've played with, I guess, a more straight up and down perpendicular to the fretboard setup provides. Yeah, I wondered if that just was sort of a, a maneuver due to the fact that it was one single pickup. Maybe that brings more brightness to the top strings okay. or something by angling it back. It's just yeah. all speculation. But, yeah. But, um, yeah, it just feels feels really great. And of course, it has the Bigsby, which I know that you're fond of using. Yeah, I had to put that on after the fact. Okay. Um, I just, yeah, I can't live without the Bigsby anymore. And yeah, like you said, I put it new knobs on there. I kind of have a bucket of knobs at home. I, I, first thing I do with any piece of gear is just get, get my own knobs on there. <laughs> Most of those are new knobs. All yeah. these came off like PV, PA 600s and PA 900s. I got a bunch of those and they show up in various states of disrepair. So a lot of times if I get one, it either works great for recording or, uh, or it's a pile of new knobs yeah. for me to put on stuff. It's good knobs. This one came off an old Pioneer stereo actually. It's killer. Ready for a special offer on a print subscription to Premier Guitar? Visit shop.premierguitar.com now and use this coupon, PODCAST15. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-5 to get 15% off a one-year subscription to our in-depth coverage of your favorite artists and the coolest new gear. 
Offer valid in U.S. only. No Wi-Fi required. Uh, what about strings? Is there anything particular that you kind of swear by or just whatever you get your hands nah, on? Nah, man. Um, I mean, Ernie Ball's been generous to the band over the last few years, and they hook us up, and I use the, uh, like, 10-gauge. Um, I've been getting lighter and lighter, though. I used to think, like, it's funny how these concepts, like, talking about rig and, and your, it's all so abstract to me, yeah. you know? And I, I find that fascinating. It's so much about, like, your preconceived notions. Yeah. Just based on the random system of events that leads you into music yep. and your friends and what kind of music you like and whatever bogus or very poignant ideas you have about how stuff works. Yeah. But I used to think a lot of stupid stuff like heavy strings meant you were good. You Just, know? Yeah, because you could handle the strings. Yeah, that meant you were like good at guitar. <laughs> and uh, I, what changed my tune on that was we did his tours with um, um, Perling Hiss from Philadelphia. Yeah, you yeah. know them? Yeah, yeah. And Mike one of the best guitar players I know, he had the lightest strings. I picked up his guitar and I was like, what the shit? Yeah. It's like, and then I realized like that, what that really brings into play is your right hand. Cause my, so little nuance for me over the years in my right hand. And so a heavier gauge string just seemed to make sense due to the, how aggressively I was hitting the guitar. Yeah. But if you chill out a little bit and you're actually listening and, and letting your right hand actually dictate, again, like the way in which so many pedals exist in your hands and yeah. stuff. Once you start to kind of refine your approach in that way, you start to realize, I started to realize like that the lighter gauge strings were actually offering me a lot more comfort and flexibility. And, um, and uh, yeah, even down to like the picks, like another friend of mine, Thor Jensen, he's a really amazing guitar player. Uh -huh. I did some recording with him. And uh, at one point he was like, oh, you're using that pick for? I was using this little feather light pick. Because again, it's just, to me, the right hand was just this hammer yeah. with like zero nuance. And uh, store. he's like, man, you got to get a heavy pick. You can do whatever you want with that. And I didn't take that to heart right away. It just sat there and haunted me. Another one of those preconceived notions, like, oh, good guitar players use heavy picks. You know? <laughs> heavy picks and heavy it was strings. It's all backwards. I was using heavy strings and light picks. And now, like, I want to be good. It's like, get the light strings heavy I don't know it's all subjective you know but yeah. I find that part of it amazing and that's why I think this show is really cool yeah. I really enjoyed hearing people talk about the little stupid neurotic things that uh, define their approach to stuff it's 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 whether it reinvigorates your plane or kind of revalidates your own opinion of something like yeah that guy knows what he's talking about or yeah. it opens up new doors whether you're willing to hear it at the moment or after a couple years or you know yeah. months you're able to let it almost come through you through osmosis like you don't know it osmosis. and then it comes through and and then you're changing things without I even i feel like it. i've been experiencing a lot of the osmosis lately <laughs> things are finally dawning on me and it rules because it's like so much work to do so much inspiration out yeah. of it now and the same basic set of things that have always been right there in front of me so i gotta ask man because best things come in three so you gave us two tidbits is there a third thing that you really thought like this is the best guitar player. Guitar players do this. And then now you're realizing, okay, maybe not so, because you talked about string gauge, pick size. Is there anything else that, as a guitar player, you've come to realize That's over the years question. that maybe wasn't a, 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 a true statement that um, you held on to? Well, I mean, one thing that's pretty obvious is chorus as an effect. I mean, I grew up in the 90s, and I hated the sound of chorus. Yeah, because And I was, I, it was so taboo in my world. Yeah. It was like... Um, but the more I've just learned about effects in general, the more I've come to appreciate chorus just in the lineage of all other time-based, modulation-based effects, you yeah. know? And it was really this guy that taught me, the Delta Labs Effectron that I'm using with this Mirage keyboard I got going on. Because uh -huh. you can basically just cycle 
you can just sort of move. This is probably really basic stuff to a lot of people, but again, just kind of dawning on me now, but like uh, so many effects are just a, a um, manifestation of the shift of time. Yeah. Leading up to delay and echo, of course, but on the way over there, you pass through chorus and, um, you know, flange. And you can, so you, with that, you can actually just sit there and turn the knob and hear essentially the effect change as the time spreads apart. Yeah. And just that basic sort of the physics of that made me go like, oh, okay, chorus isn't any different than anything else, really, you know? Again, all abstract, like, um, as far as just like why a sound, to me, like sound, my perception of sound, my, my attraction to certain sounds can really change um, just based on just kind of like the context that I understand it. Yeah. In. So once I was able to separate chorus from like 90s rock or something. Yeah. Then I realized how much I love it you right away. You could bring away, it into you know, your own thing. pretty arbitrary. Uh, the second guitar we're talking about here, quick, here's I'll grab it. Oh yeah, that guy. Since you're strapped up, is, uh, you know, it feels light so it may be semi or is it true hollow? I think it's true hollow, yeah. It's a Hoff, H-O-P-F, and it's like, I got it in New Orleans. Yeah, let's just and um, I think Hoff is like a violin maker, which kind of makes sense because um, it's got that like contoured yep. violin-like body almost, and it's really light. And I loved it without plugging it in. That real jazz box sound. It's real lively. Yeah, yeah, real rhythmic. And uh, so the body has like a nice resonance to it, even without amplifying it. And I thought it looked so sick, the yeah, Saturn 63. So I got it, and then it needed a little bit of work, and so I passed it off to this guy we met in Jersey a while ago, named Pete Brown, I believe his name. He's got like a guitar company called Laudo, I think. Okay. And he's a real genius when it comes to tinkering around with stuff, and he did this move that really sealed the deal for me, where um, in its original state, instead of having a tone knob, it had these five tone presets, like okay. a treble cut, treble boost, bass cut, treble boost, bass boost, bass cut. Kind of like the Variatone. Oh, like is that the right? Gibson. Yeah. Kind of, well, the Gibson has a seven, seven switch, but yeah, like that. He just kind of used that selector pot to redefine the way it was all working. So now, if you're here, it's just like both pickups on out of phase, I'm pretty sure. If you're here, it's both pickups on in phase. And then if you're here, it's back to its original pickup selector. So you can do the both or in the middle. And um, in that setting, it just creates like such a wide array of like the reason why I thought that maybe I'm not really one to change guitars during a show or anything, but because of that world of like how diverse that is, it's like real nice and fat there, but you get those like little skanking kind of parts. Yeah. And then really, you know, it's got just a nice array, array. And then if you have a fuzz pedal on and you're going between the two as well, it opens up a whole other spectrum of sound. So can we hear that quick? I thought, yeah, oh, sure, yeah. I thought it'd be Might fun well to bring you. it. That's on the thin side, and then. Sweet one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been using it to record a lot, and so I just wanted to see if it could hang in the live situation. So far, so good? So far, so good, yeah. Cool. And uh, we've kind of touched on the pedals a little bit so far. We'll dive in deeper in a minute. But you've always kind of been a PV guy. I've seen you also wrangle with uh, Fenders. But what's about the Falcon here? That the you've... Falcon, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, PV in general just kind of suits, always has, like, suited 
what I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like really my friend Nathan Sabatino, he's like a guy who is a genius and uh, he has a studio out in Joshua Tree now called High Des and we've worked with him for years. He's produced and engineered albums of ours for years and I've absorbed so much flavor off of him and his yeah. general kind of very knowledgeable but very free kind of outsider lens on what sounds good and what is exciting. You know, yeah. he really embraces like anything you put in front of him while also really knowing exactly why certain things are good and why certain things are seen as not good and stuff. Mm -hmm. So he's just been so influential on me and the band forever and it all began, he started bringing around these PV like late 60s, early 70s um, um, mono mixing boards like with the giant black knobs on them. They mm -hmm. come in like six and eight channels and they have this amazing, really dirty, dark spring reverb in them. And they do this thing, to, they, 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 they just kind of destroy and also expand the low end simultaneously when you use them on drums and uh, uh, vocals or anything. And it just has this textural quality that's immediately so satisfying. And um, they're of that era, of that design. And that's the other thing I love about PV of that era is just literally like the graphic design, like yeah. the way they choose to compartmentalize the information on the panels of these amps and mixing boards is really so exciting to me. And then because PV has kind of existed in this underdog category for so long, it though has. I do think that's been changing a yeah. lot, um, that's always endeared me to it as well. It's always been abundant, cheap, and easy to get. Yeah. That's always been appealing as well. And so that's kind of been my general bag with PV forever. And then we were playing at the, um, at the Roots, Rhythm and Roots Festival in Bristol, Tennessee oh, yeah. slash Out Virginia, yep. yeah, about maybe six or seven or eight years ago, and there's a pawn shop in downtown, and they had the Vulcan, and it came with like the giant tall cabinet and everything, and we got it, it was 300 bucks, and took it back to the studio, and used it to record a ton, and it wasn't until a couple years ago where I realized I could totally tour with it, you know, yeah. for some reason I had relegated it to this absurd piece of gear, Yeah. again with the smash of these paradigms, because I literally remember practicing for tour, trying out all this kind of nicer stuff and just looking over at it and being like, man, it'd be awesome if I could just take that, and then I stopped and I was like, like why can't I just <laughs> take that, though so I've had it ever since, and it's the Vulcan, it turns out it's got like a pretty unique uh, piece of history about it. I could be wrong, but from what info I've found out about it, there aren't a ton of them. It was PV's very first attempt at a solid-state amplifier in the late 60s, and supposedly Hartley PV himself hand-wired all of oh, wow. 200 or 300 of them that exist. And um, I don't know how much of that's true or folklore cool. or what, but yeah, they're definitely, you <laughs> don't anything, see it might increase much. the value just all of a sudden. To oh, yeah, yeah. Already, whenever they do tend to pop up for sale, they're up around 1000 bucks and stuff oh, wow. now. Um, so it does seem, and it's got, I wish, it's got amazing fuzz in it that I can't use and I, because the foot, you can't get it on with, until you have the foot switch and I've got the foot switch, but it was busted and I got it fixed and it was still busted. It's got these weird EQ like scoop um, zones. You can pick a frequency and cut or boost it. Oh, okay. I mean, when you're recording, you can kind of, it's got like everything you want right in there um, with the, with the tremolo and the reverb too. So. Um, yeah, that's been my main amp for a couple years now, and I, I'm, I'm really, really happy with it. It's generally speaking, aside from all that romantic stuff about PV, it's just kind of pretty loud, good headroom, um, really nice low end. And so I usually just, like with this Strymon, like Riverside guy, I just leave okay. the one side on just to break up the sound a little bit. Always? Like, like on all the okay. time, yeah. And before that, I was just using one of those Zvex Super Duper pedals to like 
crunch it up a little bit and that was always on too. So I always use something just to kind of like tube it up a little bit. Because it's know? generally pretty clean, super clean. Yeah, pie. it's real malleable in that way. You can kind of sculpt it. So good for pedals. Good for pedals. Yeah. Do you mind putting back on the little trees and yeah, kind of yeah. quickly kind of going through your pedals there? Obviously, we touched on the fuzz a little bit already and how you use that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of recently, just I started getting a couple of Strymon pedals for recording. Is at home? I don't have a digital setup. I just have. Um, my recording situation is like computerless, so, um, and I'm always using just janky spring re reverbs and a couple different tape echoes, which I like, but are always crapping out and they're hard to maintain. Yeah. So I was like, man, I should just try getting that like Strymon um, Blue Sky or whatever yeah. for some spring reverb and then get like that L cap um, tape echo thing. And I hooked those up to my board at home as like just standard reverb and echo effects ends. And I was so impressed. You know, especially because in that case, they were directly replacing the thing they were designed to replace. Like my application, yeah. I took my spring reverb out, my Echoplex and Space Echo out. That's satisfying. Replaced them with these. And I was so psyched because it wasn't noisy and, it, you know, it was just Not like much bendable. so much more dependable. Yeah. So I was like, dang, I got to kind of like check out the rest of them. So you got the four, four Strymons, it looks like. Yeah. And I just painted them silver and put new knobs on it just so I could kind of claim it a little bit, you know? I didn't want to look like I was like coming in fresh from like Guitar Center or something. <laughs> yeah, or the Strymon guy. Yeah, the Strymon guy. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with that. that. I think this company's actually amazing. On a, pretty, on, a, on a pretty like conceptual level, I feel like to me they represent this really nice arc in the technology that has kind of arrived. So much has advanced and so much is now capable and for me, so much of that has been exciting, but a lot of that kind of leaves me at the door just uh, in, like, I'm not super savvy in the digital realm and stuff. So, like, a lot of stuff seems really cool, but kind of over my head. Yeah. But th there's a certain paradigm around they, the way they design these things that is designed to, for you to engage with them the way you might have engaged with mm -hmm. an older piece of it's equipment. It's welcoming. Yeah. It's a welcoming step into the future. I think that's kind of crucial, not just for some, like, Luddite like myself, I think like it's just smart, you know. I mean, I don't need every option in yeah. the universe, you know. I, I would like to have some nice options, but I don't need all of them, yeah. you know. And generally, when I find myself in those situations where I have all the options in the world, uh, I kind of just lose perspective yeah. pretty quick. So I think that uh, just like conceptually, they represent like a really nice merge of like kind of the reverence for older gear and, and, and how much new interest has like grown inside of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then just easier access to those sounds without having to sign up for an entirely different way of interfacing with the equipment yeah. and stuff. And that suits me well, yeah. But pushing forward still. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, do you mind showing us kind of the key sounds that you got kind of yeah, keyed up in there real simple. quick? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Like I said, I just leave the one side of the, without it. That's just the PV with, I just keep that on. It's pretty subtle, just. Oh, that's because I had the bass down. So if I do dig in clean, it just doesn't crack yeah, out. And then I have this like vibrato setting on their chorus pedal. Just for cleaner stuff to get a little deeper with the cleaner stuff. And then I just leave the spring reverb on a little. It's on right now. I never really use the treble. Zach uses it sometimes when he plays up here. That's real nice. And then I have a that 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 fuzz pedal has that favorite setting, so I just use that for lead. 
what like listening in is at towards the end of the song, like where it gets kind of a little more pushed. Oh yeah, I use that for that. Okay. Yep. That was one of those like tone bender things, that like dead battery vibe. Yeah. Like when we recorded it, that which is kind of what the Vulcan fuzz sounds like, which is why I wish I could engage that foot pedal, but. Because you guys, especially live, it has it brings a kind of a whole new life to that the ending of that song because it's almost like Neil Youngish, the way there's oh, not yeah. many notes played, but you're kind of you go with the yeah yeah some of my favorite it's with Neil intention, Young. but there might not be a lot of volatility there in terms of like notes being passed along. Yeah, but it, cool. It's 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 emphatic. Nice, it, nice. And the Thanks, fuzz man. brings it alive. Do you know that Neil Young album? Are you passionate? No. You heard that one? No. Man, it's such a cool. It's such a cool one because it's a pretty chill album, but he's electric and um, he's just playing like he's got that tone that he's known to have. But the music is it's like Booker T and the MGs is the backing band. It's kind of a solo wow. album. And he just does these solos where it sounds like it's that just a, a, a insane tone he does. It sounds like he's not even like using his right hand. There's like so much power just sitting in the guitar. And he's just like, it's a nail move. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a cool, I've never really heard him approach that side of what he does in that one particular way. And yeah. in a way, it's like re reserve, more reserved inside of that very aggressive, uh, over-the-top sound yeah. that he gets going on. And I, I, I love that. I've been really, again, with the right hand stuff, like, you know, like, it's really cool to sort of, like, create tones that feel really overwhelming and then try your best to keep them at bay. Yeah. There's some tension and beauty in that. Yeah. And you open The dynamics. Up, yeah. That's really cool. And at last, I, if it is a strumming pedal, I'd be very surprised because I haven't seen one with uh, the sliders like that. Is that a pod? Oh, yeah, that's just one of those electroharmonic micro synth pedals. Oh, okay. Um, that I just painted it, painted that one too. But we had this one song, Go Out Fighting, and it has that kind of fuzz synth yeah. style. I was trying to bail on having it. I feel silly having a pedal for one song, but... This song just ain't right without that sound. Yeah, sometimes you need that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the full extent of it. And, like, I put it together on, like, a piece of wood from my my hat. Like, we took our cabinets apart and it got that nice piece of oak out of the deal and then uh, buttoned it all up real nice. Last tour, I was trying to go with no pedal board. And um, it was cool, except I had one, like, OCD pedal down there for solos. Oh, wow. Um, but on tour, it's just kind of, like, I feel like our tech, Brendan, was, like, just... I was putting him in a compromising position, getting him to just like set stuff up without. Having it's just better when you can just plug, plug, put away, yeah. go. There's a lot to deal with up here. Those guys work so hard on yeah. all this stuff, and it's like I felt indulgent. I had a little carpet that it was on, and like I had it run. You know, it's like it's what suited me at the time. But with this tour, I was like, ah, since I got these Strymons and they're seeming fun, I'll um, I'll button it all down real nice to a board so that Brendan can just pop it up, put it together every day with no questions. And stuff tends to last longer too on tour if you can seal it up. No, yeah. I mean, I'm just speaking the obvious. I'm just, everybody knows that. But <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's about it, man. Scott, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Love yeah. to hear all these stories about all these pieces of gear that I've seen on stage for a while. Cool, uh, cool. So it's yeah, it's little great, trees, y'all. Check out little trees. He's little up trees, to some good stuff. Yeah, this is Chris Keys and Scott from Doctor Dog for Premier Guitar. Another rig run.